what's the best way to embrace change with your team? And that, that's uh, the, the big piece that go us going from five employees to a hundred in nine months. Uh, we can tell you the ups and downs of, of what it looks like to bring people on board and, and how you know we've made mistakes and how we can fix them and how you build the trust of your team. For those of you that are joining this session, welcome. Uh, I'm Bob Hansen. I'm with uh, Second Nature of the Head of Sales, former uh, SVP of Operations and Single Families. So I've spent a little bit of time in, uh, in, in your shoes. We've got a great uh, group of folks here from Pure PM. Would first off like to introduce Mr. Mike Catalano. Uh, many of you may know Mike. He's a general partner of Pure PM. He's been in the property management space since he was a toddler. Uh, his parents would bring him into the family business. I'm sure he could tell us some stories from his early days in the career. Um, probably just yesterday, right? He, he looks like he's still in his 20s. So, uh, Also, uh, Jennifer Newton. I've known Jennifer for a while. Jennifer is out in Southern California. Uh, she's the vice president of operations for Pure PM, past president of Cal NARPM, also the San Diego uh, NARPM chapter as well. So welcome, Jennifer. And then also another Jennifer, uh, Jennifer Stoops. Many of you may know Jennifer from the East Coast down in the Charlotte area. Jennifer is the Vice President of Corporate Development for Pure PM and is the NARPM 22 Northwest Regional RVP. Um, so I guess first off, thank you for joining us. We have a great, uh, great group here. Uh, we're talking a little bit about... Uh, you know, change and, and motivation, your staffs, and uh, maybe I'll kick it back to you all to maybe tell everyone a little bit about what Pure PM is up to. Pure has been a group that's been, uh, you know, bringing in some of the brightest, the best minds of property managers across the country and forming this uh, this great organization with some good leaders. So uh, maybe I'll kick it off to to Jennifer or one of the Jennifers or Mike, whoever like to jump in and give a quick little recap about what Pure PM has been up to lately. Yeah, I'd be happy to kind of give a little little uh, history of Pure and kind of what what we're doing and you know how this kind of comes into the uh, you know what we're trying to talk about today is team and and what we're trying to build and you know Pure is I feel like kind of one of its kind uh, first in, in class as far as property management companies bringing an industry together from within the industry right so we are looking for the best and brightest. Uh, very uh, particular on who comes on board. And, and that really kind of goes into what we're talking about here uh, is, um, you know, team and how that's built out. And, and you know, first and foremost, we're, we try our best to build through good people. And, you know, and, and pure, the pure uh, group is really about, you know, we're buying property management companies. Yes. But that, and that is, that is the plan to buy companies, uh, roll them up and help optimize them and do the best we can to be best in class in property management. But one thing that we know is we need the best in class to be able to do that. So, uh, and, you know, Bob did mention, I have been in the property management industry for over 25 years. Um, there were no child labor laws in my family. So I was answering calls as, as a toddler, well, a little older than a toddler. Uh, so I have been in it for quite some time. And, and I think that resonates to the group. And, you know, we bring in great people like Jennifer and Jennifer, uh, by the way, Jennifer, the name Jennifer makes up about 8% uh, of our, <laughs> of the names in pure, cause we have quite a few of them, but uh, you know, they're super sharp people who know the industry well, who are within the industry, which I think is a big key because we really feel that we are for the industry about the industry and within the industry. Cause we've been in it for so long. So uh, 
Uh, Pure is basically a roll-up with some tech enablement on the side as well to really try and, um, you know, go through this change. And that's kind of the stuff we're talking about today as well, is how do you, how do you uh, embrace your team with all the change that's going on? So uh, if you understand, we'll tell stories about what we're doing, but really our goal here is to, you know, help you understand what's the best way to, and we're still learning as well, what's the best way to embrace change with your team? And that, that's uh, the, the big piece that go us going from five employees to 109 months uh, we can tell you the ups and downs of, of what it looks like to bring people on board and, and how, you know, we've made mistakes and how we can fix them and how you build the trust of your team. Great. Thanks, Mike. I mean, I guess, I guess that's a good segue, right? Like of how do we build and, and, and engage in our teams and whether you're pure and you're going from nine to hundred employees or you're at second nature and you've, you know, sold filters in the past and now you're, you're selling all these resident benefit packages and really for anybody in the audience here is, um, you know, with COVID, right? There's been a lot of change over the last couple of years. And so we'd like to kind of just dive into a little bit about, you know, how, how we're, we're building our teams to embrace change. So I guess maybe, you know, question I'll kick off to one of you is like, you know, how do you accomplish like big, bold changes within, within your organization, you know, while also gaining full support, you know, buy-in from your staff, you know, cause that's, that's different for them, right? Like, you know, change is, is difficult for some people and easier for others. Uh, maybe you can talk to the, to the group a little bit about how, uh, how you all are tackling that. It's interesting. Cause to Mike's point, you know, with the three of us, we're all running our own companies and, uh, and, and whether you were the owner of it, they both were, I ran it for somebody else, but we were making the decisions. <clears throat> and so generally, if you had something you wanted to go change, you, you know, you worked on getting the buy-in from the team, and but you were the facilitator, you know, you were sort of getting everybody on board. And the three of us are prime examples. And, and so second nature with, with the shifts and change, we are now all going through major change too, because we went from operating our independent companies to now all coming together and figuring out how to do this together. And so one of the things that, um, that our team has done at Pure is said from the beginning, we have a clean slate. So why not create a mission, vision, culture around change, right? The fact that we love change. So it's like people first and and change. You have to adapt to it. COVID, you know, forced us all to change. And we didn't even think about it. You just did it. So it kind of made me scratch my head and go, how come we resist a lot of change? But when we were forced to do it, we just did it without even thinking about it. It's very interesting. So I think COVID has actually brought out a lot of really good to where you realize change isn't all that scary. Look around, the industry's changing constantly. Yeah, and I'll, just to add on top of that is that, you know, really as a team, we, we know this industry is changing more now than in the last probably, you know, with previous the three years and the, maybe in the next five years than it had probably in the previous 25 or 30 years. Uh, there's so much change happening right now. And I think as a, as a leader... Of, of a team, you know, the first and foremost, you have to embrace it yourself. Uh, and then you have to, you know, one of our biggest things we do on the culture side for Pure is that we say to everyone, and we talk about it over and over on, on uh, all hands meetings, is that we love change. And we preach that over and over and over, that we love change. And we all know this industry generally does not. And the people in our companies, whether you're changing a platform that you're using, some sort of, sort of software or a process, you know, usually it's a difficult process to do because people get nervous about change. And what first and foremost, we have to embrace it. And we teach that and preach that on a daily basis. And 
the leaders on the team have to embrace it as well. So I think that's a big piece that really allows us to, you know, make people feel more comfortable with change. But I think the other piece to it is the involvement of the people as well. Mm -hmm. You know, and if we don't involve them in the change or explain to them why we're doing it, you know, they're not going to embrace it themselves. You know, so you have to build that that trust with them that you're doing it for a reason to make life better for them, make their job easier, and to really embrace the fact that they were going to be involved in this change, able to give feedback. I mean, we, we're a company of almost 100 people, and anyone can reach out to anyone at any time. And we, we are a super open and transparent and, and you know, easygoing company that we all work together. So you really have to build that culture uh, before you can actually tell people you're going to do change. So I think building out the culture and making them embrace, helping them embrace it with yourself and get them to the point where they're involved in what we're trying to do. Awesome. Thanks. Hey, you talked a little bit about culture. Um, you know, for myself, when I was out in the job market looking for a new role a couple of years ago, I'd, I'd known this industry well, knew a lot of people, uh, had a few opportunities, and uh, that culture at Second Nature really stuck out to me. Uh, in fact, there was, you know, in some offers, there was opportunities of us and I have three kids and one of the offers was like a fully paid medical, uh, had no out-of-pocket cost. And if anyone keeps up with me, my kids all tend to break bones or have different crazy things. And we've been out-of-pocket max the last couple of years. But I really, like, I, I like turned down a job opportunity um, that that I was looking at because of benefits with kids. And my wife was like, you need to go somewhere where like, you're going to really enjoy your job and you're really going to like what you do. And, you know, I, I, I was in a situation once where, you know, I woke up and like, ah, I got to go to work today. Right. And I've always worked at other companies who like, I love getting up and going to work. And, and I felt that. And so I, I turned down another opportunity to join a place with culture and uh, that culture really kind of fosters itself in the second nature. And it, it gets me excited to go do great things. And maybe talk to me a little about like from a culture standpoint, um, you know, what are some of the things like, what's the secret sauce that you guys are doing or, you know, whether it's today or in the past that you've done to create a really good work environment that attracts, you know, good candidates, uh, to your, to your workplace. Um, when do you guys want to take that? I think part of the special sauce that we, um, promote here at Pure is, is collaboration, togetherness, um, inviting everyone into the process. I think that's an important part of a successful um, culture where everyone feels that they have a voice and we're working very hard to promote that, sustain that and model it. I think even to the last comments that Mike and Jen made, modeling what you're trying to accomplish in your culture is critical. You know, you, you, it's, it's that parent that, you know, do as I say, not as I do, that doesn't work in culture. Um, we have to model it and, sustain it and reward and recognize people who make it better. I think you gotta have some fun along the way too. You know, that's part of a culture. So what we all do is not the sexiest job in the world, right? And it's hard. I mean, it's you're between a tenant's money and an owner's money. There's somebody yelling at you all the time. Somebody's mad at you, maintenance issues. I mean, it could go on and on and on. It's, and so you gotta have some fun with it too. So you gotta let your team know that this isn't, this is a, it's, we have to work, we have to be serious, but we can have some fun along the way as well. Uh, and I think that's critical. I think, I know that, you know, for, for my team uh, at, at Park Avenue, we're all a peer team, but when we were, you know, when we joined Pure, um, the team actually took it really well. They were really excited about it. Uh, it was all also in how we presented it. 
Um, and they've been excited in things like, you know, uh, Joe and Mike host an all hands call. Um, and we do that about once every four to five weeks. And it's an update. And for, for folks to know that we have other uh, team members, you know, throughout the country, and they see them all in the little boxes on the screen. I think, Bob, you guys do very similar, you know, in your organization. There's such a, a bringing of people together to create a culture of, hey, you can pick up the phone. I mean, we were on the phone or on our all hands, you know, video call a week or so ago. And our VP of product development said to the entire organization, reach out to me at any time if you want to share something with me on what the software should look like or what this should look like or if you have an opinion. And and that's so important because I can remember even when I would be hiring uh, for our office, I would I would tell new hires, it's an open door policy here. If you have suggestions, if you have ideas, it doesn't matter which department you're working in or what you're working on. If you see something that we could be doing better, share it. Even if we can't implement it, you want their voice to be heard because that gets them excited and 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 they know I'm I'm not just supposed to sit here and be quiet and just do as I'm told. We want anything but that. You want to hear from them because we're not always in the grind every day doing what they're doing. So they've got to be able to share with us, hey, I think I have a way that this could be better. And and once you promote that, they do. I mean, I know Jennifer was telling me a, a story of with one of her team members that felt comfortable enough to come to her and share an experience. Uh, and, and she was so excited about that because she knew she drove a culture where this person felt comfortable enough to come and say, hey, this has to get better. And a lot of that, I would say as well, those are all good points for sure, is trust, you know, and, and that's the, one of the most difficult things. And, and remember, we, this is not just about how, how big companies run. These, you know, we've all run smaller companies, you know, we've all, you know, I've started my company early on before Pure with, you know, 150 doors. And, you know, I grew that to, you know, another 300, then 500, then 600, then 1,000. But it takes time to get to that point. But I think, you know, the, the trust aspect is so important with your employees. And, and, you know, I remember the first, one of the first calls that we had, cause we went from four employees to 50 literally overnight. <clears throat> and, you know, we're talking to a lot of people that don't really know who we are, uh, who are working with our team members that are, that came on board that, that I knew well, but I didn't know their team. And we're telling them that we're going to, we're going to take care of you and don't worry. Cause one of the biggest issues when you do any whether you're just hiring someone in general or whether you're doing an acquisition, whatever it may be, is they want to make sure first and foremost that their medical benefits are taken care of. Yeah. That is actually more important for most people than actually their salary. And because there are a lot of people that are going through medical things that you know we're, it's none of our business, but they are going through them and they need to make sure whether it's themselves, their spouse, or their loved ones, their, ch their, their kids, whatever it may be are taken care of. And we're sitting our, here saying, hey, don't worry, we're going to take care of you. And they'll look at us like, I don't trust you because I don't know you. And how do I know you're actually going to take care of us? And the important piece is, is that you follow through with it. And we made sure that during this transition, that there was not one single person who ever were out of medical benefits, which sounds pretty simple, but when you do a lot of them, it's not. And we want to make right. sure that they are taken care of. And so now our next meeting, we tell them something that we think is going to happen or they should trust us, they'll start to trust us more and then trust us more as we continue to earn that trust. And trust me, as, as an Italian Italian guy, <laughs> I mean, trust is a big, big deal in our family. And trust is something that we you, you don't just get, you have to earn it. So I think that's a real big piece to make sure that they start to trust you. And that piece alone will start building out your culture 
with your team because then they say, hey, they are they have our backs. They can actually they're actually going to take care of us. And that's a really big piece because we talk about our company all the time. This is such a people business. And one of the biggest issues we see in this industry, if people coming into this industry that are not from this industry don't realize how important the people side of this is, and they think that it's going to go away, but it's not. Because 90% of the properties owned in the investment world are owned by mom and pop owners that own one to 10 units. They want to talk to you. They want a live person. So the people side of this is so important. So you have to really embrace that and empower your people to make them feel like they're involved, they're engaged, and how important they are to, to make the business run. Great. Um, you know, one thing that came to mind is, just, you know, you, you talked about acquiring different companies, people on different medical, uh, like they all, everyone has different plans, right? And so there's probably a situation where, I mean, maybe, maybe not, but where one person moves on to a plan and it's different from the plan that they are on. And there was one component of it that they really like that they no longer have or vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. So is there, how, how do you work with someone that, you know, they, they may not see eye to eye. They may not see the full, hey, like, I know they're telling me this is a, a perk for me, but maybe in this one department, it's not. How, how do you get someone that like agrees to disagree and how do you get them still bought in uh, on the overall picture and letting them know that, hey, I got your back and, you know, things are going to be all right and, and, we, and we're here for you and we want you to be part of this team. Um, and maybe that's not the best example with the insurance, but maybe talk through an opportunity where, you know, um, you've had someone that uh, kind of agrees to disagree, but you know, they're a key component. You want them part of your team and you want them bought in and happy. How do you address those difficult kind of conversations and situations? Anything, anything come to mind for any of you guys that you could talk to and talk to the group about? Well, I can actually experience share because, um, you know, so we were one Jennifer's company, Park Avenue, and then obviously, you know, Mike's, um, we, we were, the first three, and then Jack McNeil, we were the first four, you know, sort of foundational uh, companies to, to sort of come together as pure. And for, for our team being on the East Coast, um, there were challenges in the beginning with the insurance. And, and you know, these were not things that anybody could have predicted would have happened. The, the policies were completely different. And, um, and I will tell you that the team started to get nervous because, you know, to your point, Bob, it was, hey, this is going to be great. We're excited. And they were. They were super excited. But to Mike's point, insurance is probably number one priority for everyone. And it, was, uh, it wasn't it was great in the beginning. As soon as Mike and Joe and uh, HR knew what was going on immediately, it was leave your policy where it is right now. We're going to go fix this over here we're going to just continue to pay for your current policy till we get it figured out and it's right. And so they, they found out that there was a problem right away. There wasn't an immediate solution that could be done with respect to the insurance. They had to go do some research and figure out how to get a better policy. You went from four people initially on, on their, their policy to, you know, 70 people. And so all of that changed dramatically. So I guarantee it cost them a heck of a lot more money, but they made a commitment to the team that it would be at or better than what they currently had. And they honored that commitment. That trust in itself went miles with them. So I think if you're faced with an opportunity where they, you may agree to disagree or something doesn't go as planned because stuff's going to happen, but making it right in whatever that manner might look like, but making it right, it could have potentially been supplementing them in some way, but they found a plan that worked. They said, stay where you are, don't cancel your plan. We're gonna keep paying on that one and we'll go figure it out over here. And they did. 
Um, so I think that was a really big deal that that took that level of trust, you know, up exponentially uh, and really proved they do mean what they say when they say we care about you as people and you're very important to us. That was huge. And that's exactly what I mean by by modeling, right? Putting some action behind what you say and and it uh, deepens the trust in yeah. more ways than one. So if they're going to trust you with their health care, next they'll trust you with your policies and they'll trust you with the vision for the company. Uh, it just goes with trust as a trust and communication, I think are the two biggest words in, in developing a good culture. Yep. That's great. I think that was one of the questions I had written down is about, about communication, right? Mm-hmm. You know, how important is communication, you know, uh, whether bringing change to an organization or just in general, you know, what are some of the things that, that peer is doing around this topic? I know I hear from my team, like, Hey, you know, it may not be the answer that I want, but as long as you're communicating to me and I, and I understand what's going on, I feel part of, uh, I feel more part of the group and I understand the direction we're going, you know, can you, can one of you speak to, uh, you know, that point from the, from pure standpoint on the communication with your team? So um, we do, you know, the all hands call that we talked about. And I think, like I, like I was saying, you know, our, at our office, you know, small office, we all had our small offices. We did a huddle, you know, periodically on a weekly basis, we did a huddle, we would share good news. We would share, you know, if, if somebody needed us to be sending good thoughts their way, we would talk about anything new that got implemented or was going to be implemented or, you know, problems they were having. And, but now we, you know, as a much bigger company, we do the all team call, the all hands call. And, uh, and it's really cool because I think, you know, just from what I had heard from, from our team, um, they were a little worried. They're like, you know, most of those folks initially were all out on the West coast. Now we've got others that are on the East coast with us. Uh, we were the only ones on the East Coast. So at first they were like, gosh, are we out here all by ourselves? And the first all team call, they were so excited about it to see all these other faces and to hear from the two general partners, like telling them what's going on within the company. Just even that, whether they understood it or not is irrelevant. The fact that somebody was sharing with them, it was a big deal. And and I, I had such great feedback. I shared with Mike, I shared with Joe, I've told Jennifer about it. I'm like, they were so excited to, to have this call where like, there was nothing that was secret. Like they just felt like they're really telling me everything that's going on within the company that I work. And Mike always says, this is our company. This is our company. And that gets them really excited. So, so just that communication where they, they just, they're engaged. They feel like they're part of it. People are communicating. And like you said, Bob, even if it's not always what they want to hear, but they're hearing it firsthand. They're not, no rumor mill. There's nothing. Oh, I heard it through the grapevine kind of a thing. They're hearing it firsthand. That's what I would say to the people also in the room um, on communication and culture, Um, communication particularly, um, just make sure it's pointed and it's specific and it's predictable to your people. Because if you, if you leave a void, it'll get filled and it'll get filled at the water cooler in the lunchroom. People want to, I think that uh, employees are looking for engagement from their leadership, wanting to hear from them and, also, super big in communication is listening to me. Yeah. Listening to your people, listening to their concerns, to their ideas, uh, validating them that they're not just showing up and filling a cube, sitting in a seat and clocking out at five o'clock, really uh, engaging them, I think is critical. And if you think about, too, what we've done, um, you know, 
I think this is really cool. So a lot of us use Slack or Google, you know, Hangouts, stuff like that. So we use Slack uh, at Pure. And, and so you have these, these Slack channels. And so you have the overall company Slack channel. So like you'll see birthdays, so it's so-and-so's birthday today. And, and you have people from across the country weighing in, happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday. So just even little things. So you have the high level company Slack channel, each, you know, each firm, uh, you know, operations team has theirs. And then each department has one as well. So if it's the accounting department or, you know, you know, corporate development, the executive team, but it's so cool to sort of, so that's another layer of communication on a more granular level where we've added these Slack channels so that people can be engaged uh, with one another and they can do it from anywhere, from any office, whether you're sitting in Texas or you're sitting in Charleston, South Carolina, or you're in San Diego, California, they can talk to one another and they know that they can reach out to one another at any time. And, and that's gotten them all really excited. I know we have somebody, uh, in the Charlotte office today from Charleston. Uh, so I know that's pretty cool too. They're, they're, you know, they're working together on some collaboration and, and uh, I thought that was really great. I was excited to hear that this morning. That's great. Yeah, and, I, yeah, and I would say that, you know, we encourage everyone to reach out to anyone in the company across the country, because even if you're, even if, you know, you're, you're a company that even has 10 employees, encourage them to talk to, to their, to their, uh, the, the people in the workplace, right? Talk to your, uh, the employees, talk together, speak with each other. Um, you know, as we grow, we joke that we're becoming a, a, a super large therapeutic uh, <laughs> therapy, therapy group for property management. So we can we're all- sounding you know, boards for each yeah, other. Sounding boards, we can cry on each other's shoulder. And, and no matter what size your office is, you should have that because sometimes, and many times this is a thankless job. I mean, the yeah. owners don't say thank you very rarely. The tenants certainly generally don't say thank you. Um, so we have to do that within the company. We have to thank each other. We have to be supportive of each other. And that, that's a big piece of communication that they have the ability to reach out and talk to anyone. Not to mention, you know, the brain trust that we have in the company as well. Uh, using the experience of people, whether, like I said, it, whether you are a company of 5, 10, 20, or, or 100, you know, utilizing the experience within the company is super important. You know, and we kind of joke that at Pier, we're probably sitting on about a thousand years of property management experience now because people have been in it for so long. Uh, but we utilize that group to really, um, you know, not only uh, bounce things off of each other, but also to be supportive of each other and actually say good job and thank you for mm -hmm. what you're doing. That's awesome. I, uh, I know part of our topic today is how to, uh, you know, to build your team, right? I know Pure is acquiring uh, some great property management companies and some well thought of folks in the industry. So I know that you guys likely have a certain strategy on the types of companies that you're going after. Um, maybe you could speak, you know, to, to that, to that point, like, you know, what is it, what, what makes a company attractive to you outside of the doors, right? When you think about the people, right? What is it about the people? What traits do they have? And then a second question that maybe I'd throw to one of the Jennifers is like, you know, even just a, a regular position that may open up in the company, you know, whatever vertical it may be. And what are some of the traits you're looking for in terms of trying to hire leaders or trying to find a great fit for your culture? What are those things that you're looking out for? I think yeah, right I now, since, oh, oh, go ahead, go Mike. Ahead. No, that's okay. Go ahead, Jennifer. <laughs> uh, since, uh, since, you know, one of the things with corporate development that, that uh, you know, that I do is I, I, I work with folks to, to acquire, to, to look at acquisitions and, and we're all engaged in it. Um, but 
we're still building out that leadership team. So you look at the operators of those companies. Um, you know, by way of example, you know, one of our newest peer team members, uh, two that are that most folks probably know are, are Greg Deering and, and Eric Weatherington. Those are two brilliant guys that run excellent companies that, you know, for us, it's it's not door grab, it's people. Um, because we don't know it all. I want to work with people that are smarter than I am, because at the end of the day, we bust our butts. And 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 so, yeah, we want to do things that the industry's changing. So we want to help pave the way for what the industry can look like in the future. But we also want to do it with people that are smarter than we are because we're all, none of us are non-for-profit, right? So, so you want to bring people on board. So right now we're still new at this. And so the, the folks that, in my opinion, that we're looking at, it's to continue to build out sort of that leadership team. This is not door grab, it's people grab. Um, and, and then, you know, I'm sure Mike and Jennifer have things to add as far as, you know, obviously promoting from within first and keeping that staff is, is paramount for us first. We want, we want our teams to, to have that ability to move to new roles. Cause those are roles that as our companies were standalone by themselves, we couldn't offer, you know, these, these significant changes to our teams, unless somebody else left and another person from within wanted that role, you know, on a smaller level, you couldn't offer them that same opportunity for growth that I think this can. Yeah, and just to, to point out, you know, every one of us who owns a property management company has, you know, their what what they're you know best at, and you know things that are challenging for them. And what we're trying to do is put people what they're best at, uh, and that's what we've done here. I mean, obviously Jennifer Newton is a fantastic operator, so she's working on the operations side and. Uh, we know that Jennifer Stoops is, you know, she knows everyone in the entire industry. <laughs> <laughs> so she can speak to a lot of people. She's talked at all different uh, conferences and does a great job of it. So we're putting and try and empower people in the things that they first and foremost love to do and enjoy mm -hmm. doing it. So they can wake up in the morning and be excited about their job uh, and, you know, empower them to do what they, you know, what they could do best. Uh, and that's an important piece. Um, so I wanted to, do we want to touch on some of the questions on the side really quick? I know we only have a moment here. Sure, yeah. Um, but I wanted to touch on, I think Carrie Greco uh, mentioned, had a question here on what's the best attraction of the culture and how do you define that? You know, and we kind of talked about that a little bit. It, it's really taking care of the people that are involved. I mean, that's first and foremost. And, you know, what we've done is we set our culture up um, and, and really broken it down into three segments. So we break it down into mission, culture, vision and we bring that we break that down and we we share this with the entire team so everyone knows what we're doing how we're trying to do it and how they're involved in the company and and we define that by obviously you know steady pay great benefits you know we have 401k matching we have life insurance policies we we offer as much as we can to them to make it interesting and of course they also have an equity sharing plan as well uh, so the culture is built by taking care of the people and I wanted to make sure that we touched on that question is that's how we define it is to take care of the people first and then we can work on the operations together. That's great. great. I know we are limited on time here. Maybe uh, yeah. I always think I get insight into someone's mind and who they are. And I, I'm sure a lot of people want to know more about who Jennifer, the Jennifer's are and Mike are, but you know, maybe, maybe throw out a book, right. That speaks to like your language and what, like what you've learned through your career or a podcast or something that you follow regularly so that people kind of tap into your mind a little bit and maybe uh, go find another book. So one of mine is seven habits of highly effective people. 
And that's a pretty popular one. I don't know if anybody has read it yet. I can't remember the name of the author, but I, I know the book cover is like red and white, but um, that's that's been a good one for me. I've read that a couple times. That's, that's Covey. My book is, uh, uh, you've got to do it on Audible though. It's a great book on Audible. The Road Less Stupid um, by Keith <laughs> Cunningham. It. The reason I love that book on Audible is the author reads it and it's it's just really awesome. Every, I would, I would suggest doing a chapter a week. It's that stocked with good things to think about. And it deals with um, this issue culture. Um, but he's great. His line is put that on a bumper sticker at the end of every chapter. Good guy. Road less stupid. Yeah. I have uh, one of my favorite books as of late was uh, extreme ownership. And that was a Mm. book written by Navy seals on, and now they teach culture and, and ownership of leadership um, within companies. So you have it right there. There you go. Exactly. Oh, that's awesome. That one, as well as uh, the upside of stress, <laughs> which is fitting when you're building a company and trying to go fast, regardless of size. And the upside of stress really talks about, you know, the actual healthy side of stress that people don't really realize that it's actually good for your body if you embrace it properly. Yeah. Extreme ownership. Love that book. Um, so those would be ones that I would recommend for sure. That's great. Well, thank you again. We really appreciate you joining today. Uh, appreciate Thanks for it. having us. Yeah, we want to thank, yes, you, thank, you. Know, thank you so much for having us. Really appreciate it. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. That's all for this episode of The Triple Win. Thanks go out to Carol Housel and Jeff Tucker for everything they do to put these episodes together. And we want to remind everyone that you can find more resources, upcoming events, a link to our private Facebook group where the conversation continues in between these episodes with other professional property managers. All of that you can find at rbp.secondnature.com. Again, that's rbp.secondnature.com. And until next time, keep transforming what it means to be in professional property management by finding and applying your next triple win. We want it to be true that every time we see you, we see a better version of you and your business. With that, cheers.